Welcome back to another episode of Nancy AF. It's been a hot minute. Sorry about that. Lots of things going on over here. Took about a month off, but I'm back and hopefully I'm going to be doing uh, like bi-weekly podcasts. We'll see. I always say that and then another project comes up. So anyway, in today's episode, I'd like to focus on epigenetics. Now, this is something that's been super duper interesting and exciting to me on both a personal and professional level. The study of epigenetics happens to be gaining quite a lot of traction recently in research, and I think it's for such good, amazing, fascinating reasons. I think that um, the field of epigenetics offers a lot, a lot of promise for understanding and optimizing human health and human experience. Um, yeah, it's just like super duper exciting, guys. So I wanted to make a podcast all about it. All right, I'm going to start with this right out of the gate, okay? If there's one thing I want you guys to remember from this entire podcast episode, it's that the environment affects your genes. Now, I'm going to say this again because this is basically central to this entire area of science. The environment affects, impacts, has the ability to change your genes. Now, genes, by the way, are like little instruction packets that we inherit from our parents. Lucky us or not so lucky us for some of us. Genes are found in just about every single cell in your body and are made up of DNA, half of which comes from mom and half of which comes from dad. Genes contain information that tells cells to build proteins and dictate the different traits we develop. Some genes can even affect the likelihood of developing certain diseases. Now, when the research says that the environment affects your genes, this includes actual external environment, including things like ultraviolet radiation, pollution, pesticides, other toxins, and of course, good things in the environment too, like exposure to nature and the ocean. But as epigenetic researchers are learning, we can also include our internal environment here as well, like our lifestyle choices, stress level, and even our perceptions and beliefs. Mind blown? Yet? Not yet? Okay, just wait for it then. (laughs) Notice the implication here, okay? There are things that we can choose and modify that will literally affect our genetic expression. Things like nutrition, things like exercise, things like stress management, which is a really big one, sleep, for example, whether we smoke, whether we drink, if we're overweight, and so on and so on. All of these things, which we can control and modify, at least to some degree, will affect our genes. Now, I'll talk in a minute here about what that effect actually is, but I just want to interject here by reminding us how eye-opening this growing science realization truly is. Because not too long ago, 
Most people seem to believe that jeans had like a end all, be all, set it and forget it kind of like effect on us and our health. The basic idea was that you couldn't actually do anything about the genes you were born with and whether they were good genes or bad genes, then, well, you just had to kind of like deal with it and it was like the luck of the genetic draw, so to speak. Now, to be perfectly clear, there are plenty of aspects about health that are dictated by genes and largely outside of our control. Things like hair color, for example, your height, your eye color, your skin color. Okay, obviously, we can't we're not going to be changing those things. There are definitely some genes which can dramatically increase a person's chance of developing certain health conditions like breast cancer and Alzheimer's disease, for example, as far as we know. But it's starting to be better understood that in many cases, not all cases, so don't mishear me, but many cases, okay, being born with certain genes that predispose you to a certain health problem does not necessarily mean that you are destined to develop that health problem. The reason is that the expression or function of those genes can be altered due to the environment's influence, as I mentioned just now. Now, I don't know about you, but I see this as a huge freaking paradigm shift. Like, we went from, okay, you're born with a certain set of genes, and there's nothing you can do about it, to, okay, yeah, you're born with a certain set of genes, and the function of those genes can be influenced by the choices you are going to make in life, at least to a certain degree, and perhaps more of a degree than we ever, ever, ever have realized. This is super motivating, really motivating. Of course, some people don't want to hear this because they don't take responsibility for their actions, right? So they want to point the finger and cast blame on something else that's not in their control. But this is actually showing us a lot more is in your control than we've ever, ever realized. Now, when I say that the environment affects your genes, I don't mean that your genes will necessarily mutate or change into something else. It's more that the environment can modify the way your genetic code is expressed rather than modify the code itself. Does that make sense? That is, genes can be turned on and genes can be turned off, a phenomenon called gene regulation, and this will affect what those genes are able to make. This can have a variety of effects on your health. A certain gene being able to switch on or switch off may make you more or less likely to get a certain disease, for example. What we're saying here is that genes are not immutable. They can be turned on or off at virtually every stage of life, depending on factors within your external and internal environment, like I mentioned. This is epigenetics in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. And if it's still confusing, it might help you to imagine your genes as like, let's say, a bunch of little colored Christmas lights. You know, the kind you put on your Christmas tree that are in that big strand. All right, let's say that those are your genes. You have red lights in there. You have blue lights in there. You have yellow lights and green ones and so on and so on. And you inherited these lights from your parents. You can't trade your lights in for different ones or turn a blue light into an orange one, for example. 
you get what you get and you don't get upset. You know what I'm saying? But what can happen is that at various stages of your life from in utero, actually, through adulthood, these lights may be turned on or off. And whether a light gets switched on or off in that big strand of Christmas lights is going to be dictated by your environment. So let's say you have all, you know, all the red lights or things that are potentially harmful for you. Well, maybe you can turn all the red ones off. Red lights turn off and then you still have blue, green, you know, what all the colors are there? Orange, purple. No, not purple. I don't know. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? Like, let's say the red ones are bad. You, you have the power to some degree, to turn the red ones off so they cannot harm you. Okay, so, I mean, don't be surprised here that I'm going to talk about pregnancy, obviously. Hello, I'm the pregnancy chick. But I would like to talk about what I think is truly exciting piece of this issue here, and that is the relationship between epigenetics and pregnancy. Oh, my God, I'm excited for this. Buckle up, buckle up, everyone buckle up. Okay, my favorite thing to talk about. Okay, remember how I said that if there was only one thing you could take away from this whole entire podcast, it would be that I love working with pregnant moms. No, I'm just kidding, but that's true. Okay, it would be that the environment affects your genes. I'd like to add an important point for anyone who is actively trying to conceive or planning to have children at any time in the future. Parents, both mamas and dadas, but especially mamas, Parents need to be viewed as children's first true environment, which means that parents can and do affect their children's genes. Moms, when you're pregnant and carrying your child, you can and do impact, affect your child's genes. Okay, for example, my voice is getting loud because that's how you know I'm passionate. Okay, for example, the nutrients a mom eats, whether a mom is overweight, and whether a mom exercises all influence fetal development and the gene expression of that fetus, that is what genes get turned on or genes get turned off, okay? Mom is effectively programming her child through her actions pre and during pregnancy. This fetal programming can affect a child's physical and mental health later on in life, such as by increasing the child's likelihood of being overweight, having depression, and so on and so on and so on. There could be so many factors here that we could talk about. All right. For example, this 2010 study which is one of many, published in the Journal of Endocrinology, determined that being malnourished during pregnancy increased a woman's chances of giving birth to children with a genetic predisposition to overeat. And this kind of makes sense, right? A developing fetus exposed to nutrition scarcity may be triggered to adapt in a way that will make or promote maximum nutrient intake later in life as a self-preservation mechanism pretty nifty, but not necessarily ideal in the modern world where food is actually plentiful and a lot of it is actually garbage, which you guys all know. I talk about all the time. Another study in 2016 published in the Journal of Child Psychology and Psychiatry showed that pregnant women who ate a lot of sugary and fatty foods, the combination, not fatty foods alone, but the combination of sugar with fat and the kinds of fat maybe, That's not really specified here, but I would 
These women gave birth to children who had an increased expression of a gene that was linked to ADHD. And that these children were or had displayed early onset problems associated with that disorder. This may sound obvious to you, but consider this. A pregnant mom isn't just providing her child with oxygen and nutrients, which I don't even think a lot of people out there even put that together. Like, it's my job to provide the nutrients for this baby, so I better eat well. You know, I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think that even that even links. But a mother is also exposing her baby to hormones, enzymes, and other subtraits found within her body chemistry and in her blood chemistry. One thing that dramatically affects a woman's blood chemistry is stress. Psychological stress is not just like a felt experience. Stress has a a specific biochemical profile, which includes things like increased levels of inflammatory markers and cortisol, which you guys have heard me talk about. And you know that they're not good when they're out of whack. These are subtraits which a baby's developing brain actively responds to. In this way, babies may actually start to learn emotional habits from their moms well before they even arrive. So if you're stressed and anxious, baby's learning to be stressed and anxious. As for dad, he has the power to affect baby's genes too, namely by... A, the state of his health before the time of con- before and at the time of conception, and B, his effect on mom once she's pregnant. That is, if he's a loving, supportive, superstar partner who tries to minimize stress for this expecting lady, or is he creating more stress for mom by failing to be supportive, loving, XYZ, or just being a dismissive asshole because he's not getting laid? Oh, no, that was just my husband? Oh, okay. Just kidding, guys. He didn't get laid, though. Not kidding about that. (laughs) Can't help it. Not into it when I'm pregnant. Anyway, parents, you are the OG genetic engineers. That's the takeaway here. That's what I really want to talk about. Your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs, as well as your lifestyle habits can influence your child's genetic development in the womb. It's powerful stuff. If we can accept, as science does that the fate of the cell is controlled by the environment in which the cell lives then we must accept that a child's original environment aka his mother's womb has a potential impact that can last a freaking lifetime quite literally and also transcend generations think about that think about that wow Here's a couple studies to help clarify the major point I'm trying to make here, specifically about stress, epigenetics, in children. All right, one, a study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism found that women who were pregnant during 9-11, like September 11th, uh, and developed PTSD as a result, gave birth to children who had abnormal responses to stress-inducing stimuli and lower levels of cortisol. Essentially, these babies had biochemistry that seemed to have been altered by an experience their mothers went through before they were even born. Similar biochemical effects were found in adult children of Holocaust survivors in another study published in Biological Psychiatry. Now, these studies have their flaws for sure. I mean, 
all studies do. But there's enough, there, there's not really actually enough research yet to truly prove this idea that stress and trauma can literally be passed down through generations by way of something akin to molecular scarring. It's called really min- molecular scarring. But I think it's worthwhile to to have in mind, especially for parents that are like progressive like me, you know, like this makes complete sense. And, um, you know, who's to say that chronic stress that we experience? I know I have definitely had that issue. Chronic stress doesn't get passed down or influence uh, our children as well and their genes. Number two, another 2016 study from the Department of Neuroscience investigated the effects of paternal mental health on offspring. The researchers put male mice in a stressful environment, basically stuck them in a cage with bigger and stronger male mice. These weaker and threatened male mice developed signs of animal versions of anxiousness, depression, and PTSD. So mice versions of that. These mice were then bred with female mice who do not show these signs. Even so, the offspring showed high signs of stress and anxiousness. Wow. Number three, high prenatal stress during the preconception period has also been linked to an increased risk of high blood sugar in offspring. You can see this in a 2016 study from Cell Metabolism. Researchers found that rodent pups of stressed out male mice had elevated blood sugar levels. The high blood sugar was linked to changes in the expression of specific gene that had been altered in the rodent's father's sperm through exposure to stress hormones. In other words, the rodent fathers were stressed, which affected the genetic material in their sperm, which affected their kids, offspring. There are many, many, many other human and animal examples of this. Now, we're all already very stressed, and I don't want to stress you guys out anymore, but knowledge is power, right? I think we can all say that we're doing the best we can do as parents. Like, we all do the best we can. For the most part, I think. I would like to hope at least. But what I would love for all of us to also start realizing is that being the best parent we can be actually starts before our children are even conceived. By making an honest, honest effort to improve your physical and mental health now, you're increasing your ability to positively affect kids' development and gene expression in the future. In this way, we don't just influence our children by modeling healthy behaviors, which that definitely helps, so we want to do that too, but our healthy behaviors and potentially even our mindsets and beliefs can directly modify our children's genetic predispositions, which will make a big impact on their present and future health. So freaking powerful, you guys. Now that we've done a deep dive on epigenetics, I want to switch gears here slightly and talk about something a little bit different. First, I think we all can readily agree, right, that our nutrition, our stress, and the amount of exercise we get influence our biology and influences our health. But this whole idea that our beliefs and our mindset can affect our biology, well, it may seem a little less believable to some people. But it's not as new agey as it sounds, though. We've already seen this with the effect on parental stress and the genetic expression of those parents' children. But let's dial it back and even just talk about our own health now. 
Can our thoughts really become our things? Can our thoughts truly affect our biology? Absolutely, it can. Being stressed out and being fearful and being a worrywart about things and constantly victimizing ourselves can trigger an inflammatory response in the body. And excessive inflammation is the root of just about any health problem you can imagine, okay? Any health problem. It's rooted in inflammation. Not to mention accelerated aging as well. Ever wonder why our presidents look like they're about 100 years older at the end of the four-year term? Yeah, that'll be it. In this way, what we believe about our life and how we view the world can dramatically affect the way we perceive and respond to challenges, which will affect our physical health. Now, I ask you, where do our perceptions and beliefs come from? I'm including here the belief that you have about stress and how you respond to life's challenges, too. Like, where does that come from, you guys? Why is it that some people seem to break apart in the face of a tiny inconvenience, which is something that I've definitely struggled with, while other people are resilient and poised even in the face of extreme distress? Well, I think a lot of this comes from the programming we've received as children. That is how our parents speak to us, what kind of words they use to us, how they perceive the world, and what their beliefs are. And whether this programming is intentional or not doesn't really matter because as children, our brains function in such a way that sets us up to be super impressionable and programmable. Younger children than the age of seven have brains that function predominantly on theta brainwaves, is what it's called, which are associated with the relaxation and hypnosis, as opposed to adults who during the waking state have brains that are mostly emit like beta waves, which are associated with problem solving and thinking. The different brainwave frequencies that we have as children is good from an evolutionary standpoint, by the way, because... We need to be able to like assimilate into the tribe. We need to learn how to survive, right? We need to learn how to behave in society. And it's our in our best interest to learn quickly and for us to be predisposed to trust authority figures, which hopefully are good intentions and they help to keep us safe. But when the information that we're learning from our environment and as children, our environment is almost exclusively our immediate family, by the way, when the information we're learning in that environment isn't actually in our best interest, for example, like when it's fear-based beliefs from our parents that they learned from their childhood and maybe years of their own experiences, then we may be continuing cycles of trauma and suboptimal mental programming. So Where are these beliefs of ours stored? Well, predominantly, they're stored in the subconscious mind. This is where we record, we store, we hone, and we access our learned behaviors, uh, our learned habits, and learned experiences. This includes everything from being able to drive to a familiar place without thinking about how to get there to our tendency to fall into codependent relationships because of past trauma, unmet needs, and faulty modeling that maybe we had as children. 
It's important to know that our subconscious mind doesn't judge a belief as good or bad. It just accepts the information and stores it away. And then our subconscious mind will help us filter out information from the world around us in a way that supports our beliefs, whether those beliefs actually help or hurt us. This is kind of like, is this like confirmation bias? Because that's kind of like what I thought when I first heard it. The part of the brain believed to be involved in this filtering process is actually called the reticular activating system or the RAS. The RAS explains why you start seeing a certain car everywhere after you spend half an hour car shopping online and thinking about this car to potentially maybe buy. Then you start seeing it everywhere. You're like, everyone has this car. I'm seeing red car everywhere. Call it the neurochemical driver behind coincidences and serendipity. There is so much sensory information in the world that we can't possibly take it in all at once. So instead, our brain, via the subconscious and the RAS, will find a way to filter out the information that we've been programmed to believe is important, whether that program comes from others, like our parents, or our own conscious efforts. Here's another example. Do you believe that money is like the root of all evil? Because of your subconscious mind, you'll probably pay attention to and interpret stories that support this belief if you do. And more importantly, you'll probably adopt certain habits that support it as well. Hint, hint. People who think money is all evil probably don't have a healthy relationship with money. Compare this to the habits of a person who believes money is valuable and a tool to create good in the world. That's me. (laughs) Nailed it. Can you imagine how their actions and habits around money would be different if they just had this different mindset about money? This is exactly why self-limiting beliefs are associated with self-limiting behaviors. Our thoughts influence our actions and our actions influence our outcomes. You got that? So many people think of our genes as nature and our subconscious mind and the environment and the experiences which grow out of it as nurture. The subconscious mind is so powerful that learned behaviors can sometimes override our natural born instincts. As we learned earlier... We also know now that through the study of epigenetics, that the environment can literally modify the genes themselves. So we learn that, we know that. But the popularized autonomy of nature versus nurture isn't really the whole picture here, which is like my point. There's also another important source to consider when it comes to perceptions and beliefs, and that's our conscious mind. Call it consciousness, call it creative programming, call it awareness, call it personal development, ego death, self-mastery, whatever word or phrase you're willing to use. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast as well about my New Year's resolutions, but it fits here as well because it's a powerful concept that is central to religious beliefs and all religions really all over the world. And it can be more powerful than nature and nurture both. Now, our perceptions and our beliefs are just that, perceptions and beliefs. While they may be our truths, they're not always the truth. What this means is perceptions and beliefs can change, and that's a good thing. Think about it. We all have beliefs that are limiting us. I'm not funny enough, smart enough, rich enough. But many 
of these beliefs are just rooted in fear. They're just fear-based beliefs. One look at the news, and we see that we live in a fear-based society. Everything that's on the news, something terrible that happens. It's in. It's it's just filtering fear to us. To for I mean, we could go on forever about that conspiracy theory. What? I'm a little bit into that stuff too. Um, but anyway, whatever it is, it just continues to stress ourselves out, which is affecting our health and can affect our genes and therefore affect future generations that are coming from us, okay? So that kind of brings me to segueing into what my next podcast episode is going to be about, which is reprogramming the subconscious mind. Now, I have been trying to work on reprogramming and getting rid of self-limiting beliefs and programs from childhood that are not serving me in the best way. Um, And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I want to be able to tell you exactly how to do it, but I don't know. The best thing I can do is what I told you in my last podcast, which would be identify your beliefs, learn about where your beliefs come from, find resources. Like this is a great resource, right? To start like learning about what this all even means, dive a little bit deeper. It'll help you use your conscious mind to influence and change your beliefs and then hopefully have a trickle down effect on your powerful subconscious mind. And then, you know, of course, realize that you're quietly directing your life with these programs that are written that you might not even know are written like it's so funny it's like it's just I could use so many examples here from my own life people get mad when I talk about myself so I guess I just won't but um yeah it just you really have to tune into it so I told you guys on Instagram that I was gonna be doing this I was going to see a shaman uh, I'm not microdosing so don't worry about that but I am gonna be being hypnotized again um, I'm doing something called a brain recomposition so it's very it, this all of this studying that I've been doing on epigenetics really has inspired me to do this and it's funny because you guys know that I like I'm very research based but I'm also super spiritual and intuitive as well so I don't really bring my intuition into writing my programs but I bring my intuition into my coaching if that even makes sense um like you can tell when you do like tread thrill or something like the stuff that I say that's like my intuition coming through I think I need to hear about this today so this is what I'm going to say kind of like that um but as far as like what I'm like the actual program like that's all science-based right but I've been learning about this whole programming from zero to seven this is the programs are written and then you live your life based on those programs and for me like between zero and seven some crazy stuff happened in my own life so I don't think the programs that I was written at that time or the environment I was in was one to set me up for like optimal success and like to, to be optimally healthy healthy either so um when I was doing all this science research, I started like really thinking about it. And then you guys know, I also see um, like energy workers and healers and psychics and mediums. And a lot of them have brought this up to me since I opened the door. You know, it's like ask for knowledge, knowledge will be there. So I started asking for this knowledge, started doing the research. And then all these psychics started coming in like, you need to reprogram, you need to reprogram, you need to reprogram. You have self-limiting beliefs, you have self-limiting beliefs. And I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, there my intuition goes in, like, this is for a reason. I need to dive in. I need to really do this. So I'm doing something called a brain recomposition. Um, I'll read you about, like, what it is. This is just off of the shaman's, um, like, services. So 
Okay, so this is just a little clip of what she kind of describes this procedure or this, like, hypnosis that I'm going to be doing. Um, the brain is not only our most mysterious and complex organ, but also an immense stronghold of energy. When we get bogged down, so do our brains. Trauma, limiting beliefs, and projections of others can imprint our most valued biological structure with a host of harmful energies. Brain cells, neurons, tissues, and arteries are sensitive and significant loading docks for myriad programs, grids, and energetic attachments. When this thinking gets muddled, or when this happens, thinking gets muddled, feelings are confused, and soul truth gets rerouted to lower information channels. Distraction, self-doubt, and a multitude of mental and emotional alignments can set in. Though brain recomp through brain recomp, April mends cells and removes blockages, gray matter, and foreign energetic objects. This focus type work enhances recall, thinking, intuition, and connection to spirit, allowing the brain to function optimally as the powerhouse structure it was created to be. So that's what I'm going to be diving into. I mean, it's a hypnosis section. It's about 90 minutes long. It's in L.A. Um, I'm super stoked about it. You know, like, as always, super open mind. Uh, I'll go up. I'll see what it's all about. I also have another reading. This is, like, my birthday gift to myself. My, my birthday is in, like, a week. Well, in, like, two weeks. Um, so this reading, or this clearing is, like, uh, this hypnosis is a gift to myself. And then I also got a session um, with Elizabeth April. Oh, that's funny. They're both their names are April. That's weird. Um, her last name is April, though. This girl's first name is April. And... Super stoked about that because she doesn't do one-on-ones anymore. She has, like, a very – you have to be, like, special to get in. Basically, I, like, wrote her and I, like, told her that I need to reprogram and I was hoping that she could help. And she, like, picked me to be, like, one of the people that she's seeing in March. So I'm super stoked about that. I see her on March 2nd. I have done little mini readings with her before. She's lights out. Lights out. Very good. But she is – out there so if you guys haven't really if your third eye isn't wide open you know what I'm talking about if you don't know what that means then I don't know she might be a little too much for you to handle but I love her I love I love her like she channels really well in my opinion like she's always nailed it for me um super stoked for our reading as well so the whole point of just even connecting this in this podcast is that really the reason why I'm doing these two readings, that read, reading with Elizabeth April and the hypnosis session with the other April, is to do this exact same thing that I'm talking about in this podcast, which is to reprogram my subconscious mind that I feel like is hanging on to programs from childhood that I haven't been able to break. Now, I have been able to reprogram quite a bit on my own it just take it takes a lot of work and repetition just like everything else it's like people want to know how to make their pelvic floor stronger and how to like breathe properly it's repetition hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of repetitions this is the same I've noticed it's the same thing with this so um for me it's a lot easier to do repetitions of a workout than to do repetitions of a mindset or like a mental thing I don't know for me but um yeah, so I'll keep you guys posted. I'm going to record both of them. I probably won't publish the recordings because they can get, like, quite personal. But I will, like, give you guys a recap of them. I will do a podcast after my hypnosis session and tell you guys all about that. And then I will do 
Um, and then if you like it and you want to hear about the other one, I'll do the other one as well. But if you're into this kind of stuff, I, I love it. It helps me learn about myself. It helps me learn about others. It just, it really adds to my life in like a positive way, which is why I continue to do it. Um, yeah. And yeah, if you got a problem with it, if you don't like it, then like, I don't care. So don't bother telling me cause I don't care. Um, and yeah, that's all. Okay. So I'll keep you guys posted about that. I have more podcasts coming. If you have specific topics you want me to cover, go ahead. But what I am thinking about coming up uh, in the near future is doing a whole trying to conceive TTC prep podcast. Um, I've done some things on that before, but I haven't done it thoroughly for just that one specific phase. But since Max and I are thinking about maybe having a third, it's still a bit for debate, but we're thinking about it. I've still been prepping for pregnancy just in case we decide we want to try and then we actually get pregnant. Um, so that's been on my mind lately. So I will um, put together a podcast on that. I'll be sharing that soon. Any feedback, as long as it's positive or constructive, I would love to hear it. You guys can leave me a review in the app store. I'd really appreciate that. Five stars and a couple words of whatever you like. I would love that. I'll see you on IG at Nancy Anderson Fit or at Move Your Bump or at Tread Thrill. And hope you guys have a great rest of your day.